Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as the safe word is pineapple. <laughs> TV, radio host, actress, producer, director, writer, all round human of life. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Heather Maltman. G'day, mate. You know, I've never actually heard my Twitter thing read out, so I didn't realise how awesome I made myself sound, and now I'm having a bit of a moment, like maybe I need to go back and look at that. <laughs> it's delightfully confronting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I feel about it anymore. <laughs> anyway, how's it going, man? Uh, look, I'm doing exceedingly well, Heather. In social settings, mm -hmm. how do you introduce yourself? Oh, how do I introduce myself? I think, well, it's, there's, okay, there's probably like two scenarios here. Either mm -hmm. people, I haven't met someone before and, and they don't know me and I don't know them, in which case I'm like, hi, I'm Heather Maltman, how are you? They're like, hi, you seem to use your full name. I'm like, yes, yes, I do. I just feel like the last name Maltman carries a lot of weight. Um, <laughs> or someone will come up and go, I know you, where do I know you from? And I'm like, um, I'm not sure. Have we met before? And it's, they're like, uh, yeah, we've definitely met before. I'm like, oh, okay, where, where? And they're like, I think I went to high school with you. And I'm like, no, no, no definitely not high school. They're like, oh, really? Do you live in the area? Um, where do your kids go to school? Oh, okay. And it's just like question, 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 question until eventually mm. it gets like one of those things. Cause I just, I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh yeah, I'm on TV. Um, cause then you're a dick. <laughs> um, so I oh, usually... but it can be if that's the way you do it. Well, I just, it, I, there's no nice way to say you know me from TV. Try it now. Hey, Malk, where do I know you from? Oh, you might have seen me on such shows as The McDonald's Ad oh. and The Bachelor. You were on The Bachelor? No. Okay. But see what I mean? It's uncomfortable. Like, you felt uncomfortable saying that. Well, I, I didn't, but I acknowledge that people might. Oh, Okay, maybe it's just me then. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> like you're just, I'm doing this and you're just going to deal with it. I'm all like, ah, oh, sorry. Well, you are one of those people that's experienced the rarefied air that is being on a McDonald's ad. True, that is different. And it's it's also a different experience um, having confetti blown in your face. You know, it's usually not confetti, so... <laughs> too dirty what a dark turn this has taken already too dirty okay i'll pull it back I'll pull and by confetti it. you meant something else like confetti the streamers that come out of the little popping things yes that's exactly what i meant yeah let's keep it pg i think that's a great idea steve <laughs> <laughs> heather what happened to you last time your heart was broken um what happened to me the last time my heart was broken oh that's such a Interesting question. Um, I think I completely reinvented my life, actually. Yeah? Yeah. I completely changed everything I was doing. Well, and I'm not talking about the one on The Bachelor either because that was a really, that was a, that was quite a life-changing experience for me, the one with uh, old mate Mr. Wood um, because I I went on that show hoping that I was going to have this really cool love story where I was going to tell my grandchildren one day, your father and I met in the weirdest way. Nobody's ever done it mm -hmm. before, really. Um, that wasn't going to happen. Um, 
so that took me a good month or so to get over. But uh, no, the, the last guy I was dating, I really fell for him quite hard. So when that ended, I was a bit like, oh, wow, I've really lost my voice. Like when we were together, I, I, I found that I wasn't saying what it is that I wanted and I found that I wasn't standing up for myself or being honest about where I saw things going. And when it ended, I was a bit shocked because I was like, right, so now what am I doing? And then I got approached by the guys at Pantene and they were like, hey, we want to like do your hair. And I was like, oh my God, this is way too perfect. I kind of want to make over my life. And what better way to do that than the typical girl thing of like redoing your whole hair. And it, mm. I don't know, there was something about going in and doing my hair for the first time because I realized I hadn't actually had my hair cut since Bachelor, which is pretty dodgy. And wow. Yeah, don't judge me. Yeah. Yeah, I know, it's up there. Um, and I sat back and realized that not only was I losing my voice, but I was also not standing up for what I wanted. I wasn't truly being myself anymore. I was too scared to be honest about what was going on. Um, I was no longer dressing the way I wanted to dress. Like I wasn't dressing like, Heather, what up? Here I am. I feel good about the way I look. I, yeah, I'd completely like turned into something I wasn't. And yeah, I've, I've kind of completely done a 180 on that since the breakup, which was in June, I think. And I'm, yeah, I'm refining my voice, which is kind of exciting because I'm like going to turn 31 soon. So yeah, I think that's what happened. Yes. That, that can be a pretty jarring realization that the, that I not have forgotten, but that I haven't made who I am, uh, you know, a priority or that I've put me away to, to, to be like how this other person thinks I should be. Yeah. That, that can be quite a, you know, a challenge in and of itself to, to mm. work out, well, okay, how do I bring myself back? Kind of. Mm. Well, I think that's very common in a lot of girls. Like, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to a lot of girls uh, since batch and a lot of girls have messaged me either privately on Twitter or Instagram, which, you know, I love, and I love chatting to anyone who's up for it. But, um, you know, the, the general consensus seems to be this feeling of losing their voice or not feeling like they can be themselves or having to be like this Kim Kardashian, perfect, never step out of place kind of girl. And it's like, it's just not possible. It's so unattainable. And it's like, there's so much beauty in being imperfect and I just wish more of us legendary ladies just let that be what it is. And that mm. was my biggest life lesson this year, I think, is just accepting the fact that I'm not perfect. Sometimes I'm going to be a bitch and sometimes I'm not going to have a good day and sometimes my hair isn't going to look great and sometimes I'm probably not going to shave my legs for two or three days, maybe five. Um, and... <laughs> You know, I'm going to say the wrong thing and I'm going to upset someone I probably shouldn't and I'm not always going to make tea perfectly with the right amount of milk. You know, that's just being human and when you find the right person and you find the right people, like when you find your tribe of people to be around, they'll accept mm -hmm. you the way that you are and I just wish that, you know, more of us could... Oh, sorry, I didn't put my phone on silent. Now I'm that guy. That's all right. Yeah, I just wish more of us girls could, could do that and hopefully I can inspire more people to do it as well, I guess. Why do you think it is that in a relationship, ladies particularly are so willing to compromise on those things and just become who they think they should be rather than being who they are? 
Oh man, there's so many, there's so many things behind that. You know, it's like, I guess the best way I could explain that is I was, uh, I've been rehearsing for a show all day today and I was talking to my co-star about, um, life and love and all that kind of stuff. And I, I was sort of saying to him, like the character that I'm playing at the moment, she is constantly trying to prove that she's not crazy. And it's like, it's such a common feeling as a girl. Like, you know, we're told as little girls, you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You know, you can be president. Oh mate, you can, who would have thought? (laughs) Apparently not in the world of Trump. (laughs) Losing to someone like Trump is like licking the back of a toad. You're like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? I regret everything. Um, but no, more seriously, uh, yeah, I was I was sort of saying to him, like, you know, we're told we can be and do whatever we want. I know I was, you know. My mum was like, you know, go mm-hmm. out and do whatever you want to do. And I got into the life and I was like, yes, this is it, you know. You can fight to be what you want and you can be an actor if you want and, you know, you can go on a show about dating a guy and get your heart broken and no one's going to judge you for it. That's fine. I can do that. And and the truth is it's it, that's just not reality. That's not the way it is. And eventually it just slowly but surely gets emotionally, physically and mentally and spiritually beaten out of you to the point where you start going, oh, I have to conform, I have to be a certain way. And I can guarantee you boys feel very, very similar. I just think for us ladies, because we are, we're so vulnerable, we're such gentle, you know, maternal creatures and I love you boys to pieces I just think sometimes dudes forget how vulnerable we are and how soft we are and they take advantage of that by accident. I don't think they do it on purpose most of the time. I don't think it's their intention to hurt us. It's just they see that vulnerability and instinctively they exploit it by accident. I think it happens by accident a lot of the time. That's a very rose-coloured glasses view on relationships though, Heather. I mean, I'm a boy and boys are jerks. <laughs> oh, no, don't get me wrong. You guys can be complete bumholes. Um, yeah. And I've definitely dated my fair share of bumholes. Um, that's just sounding really wrong now. Let's No babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm getting blue. <laughs> that's very Toowoomba of you. Um, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... I don't think it's about being rose-coloured. I think it's more that, you know, we forget, like, man bashing is such a common thing that happens at the moment, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it was Trump's fallback, let's face it. It was his way of being able to say, I'm not being sexist, you're just trying to man bash me. And it's like, no, you're being inappropriate and you're being a bit of a dick, so we're mm-hmm. just going to call it as it is. Um, however, there are some guys that genuinely don't realise that they're acting on an instinct as opposed to acting on what is okay with the other person, if that makes sense. Mm. And because us ladies are so soft and vulnerable, and don't get me wrong, I guarantee you there will be one girl listening to this right now going, "Um, you don't know me, I am tough as nails and I don't give a fat, you know, and it's like, sure. I dated her twice. (laughs) Was she hot? (laughs) Just kidding. Well, I thought so. (laughs) Didn't help me at all. (laughs) That's the spirit. Get amongst it. Um. Yeah, no, I just, I I think that it's, you know, men unfortunately get generalised into the you're a douchebag, you know, phase when a lot mm. of it is just not being educated properly on what women need and what women want. And we, lovely ladies, 
don't exactly help because we're too busy going, it's fine and fine and fine. Everything's fine. And it's like, okay, the more you say everything's fine, the more he hears, oh, I can go down the pub and drinks with my mates and talk crap about you behind your back and she'll be fine. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. Mm. It's, do you, does that make sense? It's like that's kind of where my head's at. It's like there's so many lies going on both sides of the sexes. How is anyone supposed to meet in the middle and have a true, honest com- conversation about it? And, and it strikes me, Heather, as the people who manage to find their identity and, and come to understand who they are, mm. are are people that won't fall into those kinds of traps or those ways of thinking that I either have to sell out and compromise entirely who I am so that I keep this person because why would they want to hang around for me? Uh, or the reverse mm. of that, I, I, I have to be a douchebag guy because that's what all my mates expect and I don't know how else to treat a woman and she seems to be hanging around, so maybe this is what I have to do. Oh, it's so true. And I imagine that would be a thing that guys would go through, right? Like that would be full on. I, look, I speak for all douchebag men in saying that, for sure, probably. <laughs> oh, I like I like your relatability. I think that's really important as a podcaster. <laughs> you know, it's very, it rates very well with a lot of people. Yeah. You mentioned before that you are in rehearsals for yes. a performance, and, and people may not have caught up either that, Heather, you are – someone who is a performer in your normal life ahead of and before the TV show that I want to talk about a little bit later. Um, But that that performing is your thing. It's what you love, isn't it? Oh, man, I remember being five years old and discovering that all I wanted to do was act or create films or be some kind of storyteller. And Mm. it all came because, like, you know, um, this is common knowledge now. I, I, you know, I grew up in some pretty rough neighbourhoods and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and, you know, it meant that us kids in the neighbourhood, we had to come up with our own entertainment or, you know, in order to get out of being bullied at school, I would write scripts and then cast all the kids in my class in it so that they would talk to me and be my friend. It's like, (laughs) way to go. Um, And, you know, it was also a good way to get out of class. We would go Mm. and have to rehearse in between classes and the teacher would let me um, use the space between the English room and the PC room to perform these little shows that I'd written, usually about the Easter bunny or something where, you know, chocolate got handed out or something to do with lollipops. It's like everyone wants sugar. Um, But, yeah, it's uh, I ended up doing these shows in our local neighbourhood where I get all the kids together and I'd put curtains up in this archway in our lounge room and by curtains I mean two sheets from the bed tacked up (laughs) with thumbtacks and then I'd curtain them off on either side with ribbon from my mum's sewing kit And, you know, us kids, we'd all like play different characters and my sister would always be the announcer and she'd like say what show was coming up next. And my famous piece was actually burping the alphabet. And then I would go on a date with myself where I would play the male on one side and then I'd play the female on the other side. But the female's answers were all burped. So (laughs) that's how I discovered my love of performance. What a catch. (laughs) Oh, mate, you should see me at dinner. (laughs) Yeah, introduce me to your mum, see how that goes. <laughs> oh, this could take a very dark turn. Mm. So what are you rehearsing now then? Uh, currently we're rehearsing one of David Mamet's most controversial plays called Oleana. Um, mm-hmm. And it is controversial because he basically wrote it at a time when women were really starting to get a bit of a voice in the media world, in, in the arts. And yeah. the idea of the play is to... Um, tackle those topics that most people want to avoid, which is like 
political correctness or violence against women or sexual assault, um, teacher-student relationships, um, male-female conversation, education, how is education benefiting the students of today? Um, oh, there's like there's just there's so many themes in there that it tackles all at once that you literally mm-hmm. walk out of there a little bit sideways. And if it's performed accurately, you end up questioning who was in the right and who was in the wrong. And um, it's basically it's between a, a professor and his student. And I will be playing the student, Carol, and. Um, a good friend of mine, Jerry, who I've worked with a number of times now in stage shows, he's going to be playing the professor and, um, we're both incredibly passionate about the project just because the subject matter is so relevant today. And after what happened with Trump and that election, I just sat back and went, wow, there couldn't be Mm. a better time to be raising awareness for, for these sorts of topics right now. Given the intense nature of the manuscript and the, the relationships in play and those sorts of things, it must be an incredibly draining uh, performance to, to be a part of. Yes? 100%, mate. I've, uh, the last week and a half that we've been rehearsing to almost two weeks, I have just been in a whole other mind frame because one of, one of the hardest things to do as an actor is to perform, leave it in the space and then go home. It, it transfers yeah. into your everyday life. And, you know, the things that Carol has been through aren't 100% the same to what I've been through. So I've had to tap into this whole other person and sides of my personality that I wouldn't normally be. And it's just been really taxing. And, you know, there's been a lovely man that I've been sort of seeing on and off for like for the last couple of weeks. And even my conversations with him have changed slightly because... I'm so influenced by what this girl is going through with her teacher that I'm finding, you know, you find it so hard to leave it in the room. And actually one of my favourite directors, Australian directors, is Shana Bess. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he loves working similar to the way uh, Sanford Meisner taught actors. And I, I learnt the Meisner technique myself. And we had a conversation when I was in Los Angeles recently and he was sort of saying, he's like, when I, when I direct, he's like, I want my actors to be in the character as much as possible. I, I challenge them to come to set in character. I actually don't talk to them by name anymore. I talk to them by character and it, it helps solidify these relationships. And he's, he's so right. Like it's such an incredible experience to play these different characters all the time. It's like, why would you not want to be completely involved with them? But then it's like trying to have a conversation with your partner about, you know, who should make dinner tonight just becomes next level. It's like, You're trying to repress me. I'll cut the carrots the way I want. (laughs) Not that that fight happened. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, gosh, I can imagine. Um, Mm. What is, if if I may, you mentioned that it was the Meisner technique? Yes. What is it? Meisner technique was uh, developed by a guy by the name of Sanford Meisner. That's convenient. Isn't it? Isn't it? I love how people do that. They're like, I'm going to create this thing. What are we going to call it? Maltman. <laughs> do you know what? I should create a technique for reality TV girls, girls who want to go on reality TV shows, and I'll oh, call it the Maltman technique. And it's all about, yeah. like, helping you do well on reality TV shows, although I suppose I didn't really do well because he did dump me. So. Oh, no, 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 helping you do well up until you fail miserably. Oh, <gasps> yes. 
this is great. Oh, where everything just falls apart. I'm patenting it. I'm patenting it. <laughs> you can't have it. It's mine. It's mine. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> what is the Meisner technique? <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Sidetracked. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, Sanford Meisner was learning acting from I think it was Strasbourg from memory, and Strasbourg's stuff is all about like emotional memory. So you you recall stuff that's happened in your life and then you act it out. And Meisner was like, Ooh, that sounds a bit dangerous. Let's not do that. So he, uh, he created a technique called the as if, so he works from, we didn't really create that part of it. He, he takes a bunch of different stuff from different teachers, but his Mm -hmm. main thing is about the more you connect with the other human being on stage and the more you go to them and their behavior, the easier it is to just react. So his thing is all about, Acting is not lying, it's telling a greater truth and it's about reacting off of the other person. So, you know, working with someone like Jerry, who's my co-star for Oleana, is amazing because Jerry hasn't had like insane formal training and I've only had method training from him. So literally the two of us are just reacting off each other in the moment and seeing what works and then solidifying it and creating the story from there. And the beautiful thing is Mamet, he's such an intense writer. He actually hated the Meisner technique, but he loved he loved the fact that it was all about repetition and it was all about taking the moment from the other person. And all of his plays are indicative of that kind of nature. So when you read mm-hmm. Oleana, there's a lot of repeating. There's a lot of, you know, the act the two actors just in this tennis match together. And if you try to add too much to the dialogue, it just falls apart. You've literally got to be able to stand on stage with the other person completely bare, completely open and take a risk and just trust that they will be in the moment with you and move through the script like that. If you don't, it just dies. So that's Meisner technique. Yes. So why, Oleana, why this play? Um, I read Oleana eight years ago when I first started learning to act and I was like, Mm -hmm. I have to do this show. It's so incredibly important. Like I've always, I've always wanted to create a safe space for women to have a voice and not in a way that's like, Oh, men suck. And I'm going to like bash on my boyfriend for the next half an hour. That is my biggest pet peeve is when girls get together and bitch about their boyfriends. It's like, go and talk to your boyfriend about it because I reckon he might have something more to say than what you're saying right now. Um, and Oleana is, is so, oh man, it's just, it is basically an hour and a half to two hours of these two characters miscommunicating. And every now and again, they reach the same point where they understand each other. And then the next minute miscommunication happens again. And the ending is the worst possible scenario. And it just it resonates so deeply with what I've been through in my life that I think any girl can watch this play and go, yeah, I've been through that at some point. You know, there will be a moment somewhere in the script that every girl will relate to. And the same with men, because neither character is the villain and neither character is the hero. They're mm-hmm. just perfectly imperfect together on stage. And to me, that is the epitome of brilliant writing is when you can take every character in it and go, no one is the hero and no one is the villain. Wow. Yeah. Because that's life. I mean, Trump isn't a villain. In Trump's life, he's not a villain. In his life, he thinks he's doing the right thing. 
in his life, he thinks he's helping. He just doesn't realize that he's literally living in his own world. He doesn't realize because no one has helped educate him that his way of being and acting is actually affecting other people in such a negative derogatory way. He doesn't actually know. He's getting a hell of a wake-up coming his way, doesn't he? Yeah, I've got a feeling the next four years are going to be really tough for him. Yeah, not just him. Wow. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's a very, it's a very intense production, mm. the uh, Oleana and, and the, I mean, the little bit that I know about it beyond what we've discussed, it's technically demanding. It's uh, a, a mentally demanding performance, both of the performers and of the audience. Mm. It's not, it's not a, it's not a first date play. People. <laughs> uh, well, look, it might be, it depends where your relationship is, I guess. Um but it's 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 re- I like to call think of it as it's really chewy. It is. It's going to bring up a lot of stuff to discuss, isn't it? Totally. And it's funny, like Jerry and I were talking about it today. The people that I want to come and see this show are the people who would who are literally going to listen to this right now, going, "Yeah, it's not for me." You're the person who's going to love this play the most. Mm. You're the person who's going to get the most out of it because it's going to be yeah. so confronting on all the things that you probably don't want to talk about normally. And you know what? If I'm wrong, come and see it and tell me after the show and tell me how wrong I was and tell me that, you know, what I've said right now is the most incorrect challenge in the world. I, I, I'm, I'm standing that firmly behind my word that it is that I, I will have that conversation openly and honestly with anyone. Um, but you're right, it is, it's a very meaty, very chewy kind of play and, you know, We've, we've decided to put it on with uh, the guys at University of New South Wales and the guys mm. at White Ribbon in the hopes of... Great. Yeah, in the hopes of sort of raising some awareness of violence against women because, you know, it, there just seems to be this weird thing at the moment where, you know, everyone seems to think it's a thing of the past. And violence, yeah, is, not. violence is not just physical. It's emotional. It's mental. It's spiritual. It's so much more than a fist hitting a face. It is, you know... The best way to describe it for me is if there's ever a point where you just think it hasn't happened to me, I I ask you, have you ever been in a position where you've thought, oh, I'm crazy? Or have you thought, oh, it's me, it's my fault, I'm doing something wrong. They're they're treating me this way because I'm bad. They're treating me this way because um, I've done something wrong and I'm bad because of it or you've walked away feeling like there's something not right about you stable-wise, or you've thought, oh, I'm not smart enough. That's why this didn't happen. I'm not smart enough. Or you've thought at some point, um, I can't do it because they're going to ostracize me. That's, that's a form of violence. And it's more common that it happens against women than it happens against men, because the truth is we are a softer people. We are we are vulnerable and we are nurturing and, you know, I think the reason why Hillary would have made a great president is just because she would have nurtured that country in a way that no man would have been able to do and it's just sad to see that it didn't happen and what's worse is I don't know if you've read the statistics yet but most of the voters for Trump were women. Wow. Yeah. Because we're – it. sorry, go. No, it's just all sorts of wow. It is and – it comes down to, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I want to do this play and also do it alongside White Ribbon and UNSW is because, you know, men think that 
it's all about, oh, we're against men. Guys, you don't even need to do anything. You don't even need to be violent towards women. We're too busy doing it to each other. We're too busy ripping each other down. We don't want to see other girls succeed. I can only imagine the amount of girls that are sitting here right now going, oh, who does she think she is? Oh, you know, she's doing this, she's doing that. No, whatever, shut up. You, you were on The Bachelor. You're just some stupid girl from The Bachelor. And it's like, why? Why does it have to be like that? Why can't we hold each other's hand and go, you got this, girl. You, you got this. You go nail that. Because I guarantee mm. you, if I succeed, I'm bringing you with me. I'm not interested in, in being successful on my own. There's no fun in that. I want to see all the girls around me succeed. I mean, Jane, who's my co-producer on this, um, she hasn't fully produced a play on her own the way she's doing this one. And I've just mm-hmm. handed her everything and gone, mate, you got it. And she's like, what? I was like, trust me, you got this. I, and I got you back. If at any point you feel like you're failing, come call me, we'll talk. Otherwise, I know you got this. I know I can give it to you. I've got young girls from the university getting involved as students They're volunteering their time to be a part of this. We all are. We've all volunteered our time. And every single one of the the girls and guys that are involved, I've said to them, this is now your role. You own it. So you come to me and tell me what you want to do with it. This is the brief outline. But get creative. Show me what you're going to do with it. I've got a young girl doing um, the graphic design for one of the props in the play that's one of the most important props in the play. Like if it doesn't work, the play doesn't work. And I've basically sent her all the information for it and gone, now get creative and, and show me what you want to do with it. At no point have I gone, it has to be this, this dimension, this is what you're going to do with that, blah, blah, blah. I've just gone, right, here's the imagery, here's the basic information. If you get lost, call myself, call Jane, call whoever. Otherwise, it's yours. Create a vision. I trust you with it. Here's your deadline. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes up. And what? Why can't we be more like that with each other? I, I just don't understand why girls want to tear each other down. It's like, you know, I don't necessarily agree with what Kim Kardashian does and I will more than happily make fun of some of the stupid things that come out of her mouth, more than happily. But <laughs> at the end of the day, man, toot on, son. If you want to go put stuff in your breasts and make your bum bigger and create a face that no longer moves, toot on. Toot on. As long as you're happy, toot on. Which is a delightful juxtaposition to you know, the, the consideration that you and 20 other women are going to try and date the same guy simultaneously and he will, in some form of bizarre competition, cast you aside one or two at a time. Yeah, but that's no different to Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> How is that any different? I'm sorry, but I get dudes contact me on Facebook or Instagram mm. or whatever. I want to take you on a date, blah, blah, blah. You can't tell me that those dudes haven't already been on a date, aren't dating or haven't thought about another girl who's either in their vicinity, in their room, on their phone or down the street or on Tinder at the exact same time that they've then messaged me. Come on. I did not come down in the last bachelor shower. All right. There is, there is absolutely no difference. The, you know what? There is one very big difference between dating on the bachelor and dating in real life. And that is it's honest. And that's why it is so addictive and that's why people can't stop watching it because it's so, so honest. Mind you, the last Bachelor shower is a really interesting sex move. It is. Um, have you actually Googled the, the imagery for that yet? I'm not sure I want to. Okay, it's very Kama Sutra. <laughs> at one point I think there's a lot. It's, it's very many girls at once. <laughs> 
<laughs> now that there's yep. a rose ceremony, I don't want to go oh, to. <laughs> take the pricks out of that. Um, <laughs> why, why subject yourself to this brutally honest form of dating? You know? <laughs> Sorry, I just need a minute. That's really funny. <sighs> okay. Sorry. I'm just going to compose myself. No. Okay. Why subject myself to that kind mm. of honest dating? Well, I'd basically, I'd been with a guy for about five years in my early twenties. And I thought that was it. I was like, I've got this sorted. Like we're going to get married. We're going to have all the babies. And I kind of got like two or three years into it and realized that like I was getting to my mid twenties and my friends were getting engaged or like their partners yeah. were like, I'm so in love with you, babe. And I was like, crap, we don't even call each other babe. That's There's a concern there. And then I looked at it even further and I was like, we don't hold hands in public. Um, we're so professional in our relationship because we're both in the industry that the romance is not there. And I'm literally mm. begging this person to talk about a future with me. And I gave it another two years because I just felt, we'll give it another couple of years, a few more innings and, and see if it's worthwhile. And, yeah, unfortunately, I waited a week to see if he would kiss me or hug me or something, and he didn't. And I realised, yeah, it's, we're more housemates than, than lovers, and I, I ended it. And Wow. Yeah, ending that relationship was really hard because, um, yeah, I was very, very in love with that person very in love with them and it, it like I still love that person to pieces like you know he he taught me so much about myself and taught me a lot about life and family and stuff mm. and um yeah and then you know he chased me like I was the Beatles for the next year and then I turned around and went all right let's give it another shot and he was like no I'm over it and I was like oh, oh. whoops and you know I did my fair share Gosh. don't worry I definitely did my fair share of crazy in that breakup like that poor guy <laughs> I, you know, years later I called him and was like, hey, remember how I did that thing? He's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm so sorry. That, <laughs> that was me being 25 and no idea about life. So I apologize and I've learned my lesson and I will never do that to another person. And he was like, oh, cool, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm like, good, good. Um, and you're going to need to replace the cat. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're wondering what that crack was on the table, just pretend it never happened. Pretend it never happened. Um, yeah, no, don't we. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we're good now. You know, we're friends now. But at the time, I, I wasn't dating. I tried dating. It didn't go well. He mm. wouldn't want me to date, and then I would keep trying to date, and oh, it was just a nightmare. And in the end, I gave up on relationships, and I spent. The first year of our breakup, focusing on getting my career happening again. The second year, mm. I focused on. Um, feeling good about myself again. And then the next year was meant to be the year of romance. And I got very, very white girl wasted with a couple of my girlfriends. And we were laughing about the Blake Garvey incident. And they were like, oh, man, if they had another guy like that, like you give him such a run for his money, he wouldn't know what to do. And I was like, yeah, he wouldn't know what to do. He wouldn't know. So I applied very inebriated and forgot all about it. And then um, – <laughs> three months later got a phone call from some beautiful young lady who I'm still friends with today called Lauren being like, 
hey, it's Lauren from The Bachelor. I'm like, what? She's like, it's Lauren from The Bachelor. I was like, no, I'm not interested. Sorry, we're not. I don't buy things over the phone. And she was like, no, the TV show, The Bachelor. You applied for The Bachelor. I was like, oh, hi. Yes. Yes, I did. I was drunk. And she's like, you think? We read the application. I was like, oh, God. Um, Yeah, and that's kind of how it all happened. And in the end, I only agreed to it because I was like, well, my girlfriends were like, you got to put yourself out there. They were trying to get me on Tinder and I kept deleting the account. They put me on a dating website and I couldn't delete the account because they opened it with iTunes. And I just wasn't go. I just was not letting guys anywhere near me at all. I was like, chastity belts on, closed for business. Take it down the street, gentlemen. Take it down the street. Um, and I'm really glad I did it because it reminded me how much fun it can be dating again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are so many questions and we are so nearly out of time. It's crazy. Mm. One mm. last question, please. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? <gasps> oh, that's a great question. Thank you. I may steal that to ask other people. No offence. Um, please. That's one of my achievements. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'll give you three. Please. Personally, I hope to achieve the ability to be able to recognise when someone is in love with me because apparently I don't yep. know what that looks like. Right. Um, and I'm doing quite well at that. Uh, second thing is to help create a space, a safe space for women to have a voice in an entertaining and honest way because so many girls have said that they felt like watching me on that show, they could be themselves and be open and honest and be humorous and all that stuff. And I was like, well, it's not fair that I'm the only one getting to do it. What about everybody else? So hopefully that can happen. And um, lastly, I guess work out how to have a relationship with a man that's long-lasting, fulfilling and wonderful. And then write a book about it. Yeah, why not? We'll call it... Make a billion dollars. We'll call it... Um, Billy and the Clonosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking something more like the misun the the mis the misunderstandings of Bachelor, the TV Tinder. Oh, this looks. I think a good mix of the both of them would be fine. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we could. Add, oh, that could be the subtitle. Uh, what a mix of the both of them would be fine. Oh no, I wasn't thinking that. But I was thinking your title could be my subtitle, or my title could be your subtitle. Oh, completely. But we won't actually say my first name. It'll just be like by Maltman because it carries more weight. Oh, yes. That, that's right. Becoming a single name celebrity mm. is what it's all about these days. Everyone's doing it. Everyone. I know. Yeah. Hey, Heather. Mm. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things that you said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much. Oh, man, it was my absolute pleasure. And thank you for asking me to have a chat like... You know, I, I wish we could have chatted earlier. I think we wanted to talk sometime last year and it never happened. And I'm really glad I reached out because you seem like a pretty decent human being and you seem like one of those guys that's like, pro-women, go vagina. So thank you for being that way. Yeah, I think a TV network got in the way. <laughs> it's so pushy. Yeah, up yours. Um, anyway, <laughs> no, it was my absolute pleasure, man. Thank you for chatting to me. That's right. Very clearly you're a person that, that is on the tweet sometimes. Mm. Are there other social accounts you would want people to know about? Well, I've kind of fell in love with the old Facebook Live. I've started doing dashboard cams. So when I'm driving in my car, 
I get very yes. emotional while I'm driving. So I've started, yeah, I've started Facebook living my drives around the city because it just seems to be a bit random and different. Maybe I should stop doing that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah, obviously I'm also on Instagram. But, man, just tweet away. Let's all tweet. Tweeting is where it's at, isn't it? Isn't that what everyone's doing these days? Are people Snapchatting anymore? I don't know. I can't keep up. Mate, I'm turning 31. I don't even, like, I don't have a cat and I need to buy one. Let's just put it that way. <sighs> this has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Heather Maltman is indeed human. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs>